Amen. Good morning. Just one quick. Um, the missions convention is all on the 7th and the 11th. That 26 is a typo. Bill Gross be preaching somewhere else, doing a wedding that weekend, somewhere else. But the 11th, Brother Bill will be speaking to us on Sunday night. So you don't want to miss that. It's going to be exciting. Pray for the meetings. Let's believe God to touch every one of our hearts. Amen? There's something we need to... The New Testament, biblically, giving in the New Testament is planned, proportionate, and purposeful. That's what, well, We won't study that this morning, but it's planned... Paul said, you set aside, for, you set aside. It's planned. Sometimes there's a special need and God speaks to us, but typically it's planned and it's purposeful. There's a purpose before it. So when we come to missions convention in this time of year, we just simply say, Lord, how do you want me to give extra towards missions this year? I want to plan it. I'm just going to not fly by this. Lord, I'm going to seek you. Lord, what, what extra would you have me to do above that I could support the gospel going to the earth? How many know a lot of people need to hear about Jesus still? Amen. A lot of nations, billions, millions are, don't know Christ, and we need to do our part. So, so again, good stuff. If you have your Bibles, Daniel, the sixth chapter. Daniel, chapter number six. Winding down our sermon series from the book of Daniel. Now, the, these next two weeks, probably the most familiar of stories from this inspiring book, Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel in the lion's den. You can almost see the flannel board. In Sunday school, when you were a little kid, all right? Daniel in the lions, man. And it's a familiar theme. I mean, the theme of this story is, you know, familiar throughout the Bible, to say the least, the righteous enduring the repercussions for choosing to live faithfully and consistently for God. We'll just read the first 13 verses because we're going to break this up into two parts. Daniel 6, chapter, uh, Daniel 6, verse number 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 100 and 20 satraps, that's government officials, princes and governors, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the other officials by his exceptional qualities or his excellent spirit that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, Oh, King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree, put it in writing that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Verse 10, our key verse for this morning. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed 
and gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. Mm. Then these men went as a group. They found Daniel praying. They were asking God for help. So they went to the king, spoke to him about his royal decree. Did not you publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or man except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, one of those exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Daniel in the lion's den. Father, we thank you for your word. Teach us. Inspire our faith. Help us to have a faith. A sold out spirit like Daniel did. To walk with you through thick or thin. Not to be moved by man or the laws of man. But to fear you and to love you and to seek you always and continually. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Mmm. Mmm. Found him praying. A lot of people he wouldn't have found praying. But anyway, another sermon for another day. The example of Daniel gives believers encouragement for today. But there are times when we need to be firm and resolute, just like Daniel was. There are times that will come to all of us when we must put our foot down firmly, be steadfast and unflinching for the Lord and His truth. Of course, there are times where common sense demands, peacemaking demands, proper compromise. But then there are times when We have to dig in and refuse to be moved by man or devil. In this story, the attribute that shines so brightly is the consistent life of faith that Daniel lived. In times of crisis or in times of calm, in times of pain or in times of prosperity, Daniel was faithful and consistent in his walk with God It kept him even when it cost him. For example, verse 10. The tail end of that verse is so powerful. He hears the decree, but he still goes and prays. And the Bible says, just as he had done before. The New King James says, as was his custom since early days. Daniel just kept on being Daniel, whatever the circumstances or whatever the world said. And in fact, next week we'll see in verse 16 that when he gets thrown into the the lion's den and the king didn't want to do it, the king kind of got tricked through all this. But when he finally throws him in, the king, verse 16, says to Daniel, Daniel, may the God whom you serve continually rescue you. Boy, that's wonderful when a worldly pagan king can testify your consistent faithfulness before the Lord. Can you say amen? We say, we might not believe like you do, but we know you believe it and we know you live it. There's no better testimony than when the devil's child can look at a child of God and say, you're real, you're not a phony, you mean business when you say you belong to Jesus and you serve him. That was Daniel, that was Daniel. We notice in this story that though Daniel was faithful, his faithfulness did not keep him out of the den. His faithfulness didn't keep him out of the den. But his faithfulness kept him in the den. 
and through the den experience. And this morning, maybe you're hearing the roar of the lions and you're going through a challenge of your faith. The word of the Lord to you is fear not, fear not. For there are some things in life that we cannot, cannot be changed, but through them all, you can be and you will be kept as you keep putting your trust in the Lord and leaning on that precious name of Jesus. Now, this is an attribute we need to move at. We need to strive for. This is an attribute God is greatly desiring to see in the lives of His people. Faithful. Dependable. Consistent through thick or thin in our walk and in our worship and in our service to God. In these next two weeks, we'll attempt to cover five points. We'll do our best to see how far we get this morning. Number one, the advancement of Daniel. The advancement of Daniel. Number two, the adversaries of Daniel. If you're going to walk consistent with the Lord, you're going to have some adversaries in life. Number three, the attributes of Daniel. Remember, the Bible says he was a man of an extraordinary or an excellent spirit. And there's characteristics that created that that we should be striving to imitate in our lives. Number four, the attack of Daniel. The attack of Daniel. And finally, the application of Daniel and the lions. Number one, the advancement of Daniel. The advancement of Daniel. The scripture records that when King Darius came into his rule, he chose Daniel out of all the men of his kingdom and made him like prime minister. He was preferred above the others. He was preferred because he distinguished himself above the other leaders. He had an excellent or an extraordinary spirit that was upon him. The spirit of the living God was upon him. God, the living God, was with him. Verse 4 says, there was no corruption in Daniel. That he was completely trustworthy and he was completely competent. Now that's a good man to put in charge of the kingdom, especially when the other leaders are skimming and conniving and there's kickbacks and there's corruption and there's abuse of authority. But Daniel is such a wonderful example for us this morning. Listen, he's been exalted to a very great worldly position and priority, but it seems as if through the years his soul also prospered and matured and advanced in God. You see, too often, Outward advancement brings inward decline. But not so with Daniel. Not so with this man of God. Friends, let us never get so busy or so blessed that we forget God. That we forget to really live for God. That we forget and fail to put Him first and serve Him faithfully. Daniel was running an empire, but he never left or lost sight of his need to walk close with God, to spend proper time with God. He was on top, but he still served God as diligently as when he was on the bottom. He was on top. And he had all the perks and the privileges. He had the praise and the power. All the prizes that come with authority and position. But he still serves God as diligently, as humbly, as consistently, as honestly as when he was on the bottom in that lonely place, that forgotten place, that, that place of desperation, that, that, that place that's hard and that's lacking. Friend, that is a consistent devotion. That is a man whose faith is continually the same. 
regardless if he's on the mountaintop or in the valley, let us be men and women that we can sing when the sun is shining. We can sing when the storm is howling. We can praise him when we're hurting. We can praise him when everything is just going real good. Let us be consistent in our walk. Let us be consistent in our talk. Let us be a man or a woman that seek ye first the kingdom. And we let all those other things bless us and God will take care of us. Hallelujah. Glory. The advancement of Daniel. You know God delights to advance His people. Woo! He's a good God. You feel good when your kids do good, don't you? Kind of swell your chest up when you see your kids blessed. You know God loves to advance His people. He loves to see us blessed. In fact, the Bible says, the Bible teaches us, promotion comes from the Lord. May we follow the example of Daniel. We put God first. We'll do things His way. We'll trust the Lord to use us and to bless us. And to promote our lives as He sees fit and when He sees fit. But let's do our part to, number one, put first things first. Here's our two verses for this point. Matthew 6 and 33. We quoted it, and I know many of you know it, but let's see it again. Matthew 6 and 36. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. God says, if you put me first and you seek my righteousness, if you'll do things my way, I'll bless you going in and I'll bless you coming out. I'll make you the head and not the tail. I'll promote you in due season and I'll bless the works of your hands. I'll anoint the words of your mouth. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom. Seek His right. Live right. Live holy. And God says, all the things that you desire, all those things in life that men are striving for and lying for and fighting, God says, I'll add them into your life. I'll promote your life and I'll bless your life. Somebody say amen. The advancement of Daniel. We have a God that wants to advance you. There's a God that wants to bless you. There's a God that wants to use you in this present hour. And we have to position ourselves. We have to live in such a way where we position ourselves to the blessing of God. 1 Peter 5 and 6. 1 Peter 5 and 6. Peter just got done saying how God, He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Knowing that God gives grace to the humble, therefore... Humble yourselves if you want that grace. If you want the grace of God flowing in your life, overflowing in your life, just splashing over your family, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. God says if you'll position your life by humbling yourself and walking properly with me, God says when I say the time is right, I will lift you up. I'll exalt you, my child, my friend, my friend. Listen, when God decides to bless you, there's no demon in Duran or hell that can keep you from being blessed. When God says it's time to be the glory and the lifter of your head, He'll lift you up. He'll set you high upon a rock. Do things God's way. Believe His promise. Walk in His Word. And God says, let me lift you up. Let me flow through you, shine through you. Let me bless you like you've never been blessed before. Can I get an amen? The advancement. You don't got to do things the world's way. Do things God's way. Hallelujah. The adversaries. Oh boy, the adversaries. The adversary. No sooner has Daniel 
taking this position, taking on his new responsibilities when he's persecuted by his enemies. It didn't matter that Daniel didn't do anything wrong. They had made up their minds. It reminds me of a story I read about, a, I think, a retired Air Force sergeant. He said, I was busily keeping track of about 15 aircraft at the Air Force Rescue School out in New Mexico when I noticed a paperwork error in the previous day's report. Sure that the day's duty officer was at fault, I reported the error to my superior, a crusty old lieutenant colonel. Although I tried to convince him otherwise, he kept insisting I was at fault. Finally, he just said, Sergeant, you just don't get it, do you? I'm not saying you're to blame. I'm saying we are blaming you. Then you knew what he felt like, amen? Oh, there are just times in life you're going to get the short stick of that thing. Don't whine about it. Join the family. That's the way life is, amen? It happens to the saved. It happens to the unsaved. The difference between us ought to be our response is different than those that don't know God. They're leaning on their promotion through the arm of flesh, but we know our God can work through anything. He works all things together for good. So even when the enemy tries to trip us up, expose us, lie about us, we'll keep trusting, we'll keep walking in the Spirit, we'll keep keeping our hearts pure before God and man. And when God says it's time, whoo, he'll work it together. Oh, the adversaries. Daniel was honest. He was a man of integrity. All of those beautiful characteristics were complicating the lives of the corrupt governors and princes. He was an honest man. He was a foreigner that had been elevated above them, and therefore they were jealous. They were envious of Daniel. Therefore, they had determined to get rid of him. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. Charles Spurgeon said about Daniel, It was a good thing the lions didn't try to eat Daniel. They never would have enjoyed him because he was 50% grit and 50% backbone. <laughs> God give us more. Can you say amen? God give us more. Oh, it's easier said than done when you mess with a man or woman of faith. Come on, say amen. The devil don't know he's mess. He'll jump on some weak believer. Someone that knows their God and has chosen to walk like Daniel. Look out. So Daniel's presence immediately complicates the lives of those corrupt and competent officials. He wasn't corrupt. He, he was not worthy to compromise. Jealousy stirs. Evil minds begin to plot. They try to find some dirt on Daniel, but, but they're not able. His character is spotless. His service exemplary. They scrutinize. They double check. They find nothing. What a beautiful testimony. What a beautiful testimony. They try to find some faults in his life to indict him. Anything to get rid of him. In his professional life, he's clean. In his personal life, absolutely spotless. They determined the only way to get to Daniel, the only way to trip him up, the only way to get him out, was to accuse him in some matter of his religion. To do something in which he wouldn't bend with the law of his God. They resort to two of the oldest weapons in the devil's toolbox. Falsehood. And flattery. They devise a plan. They're going to go to the king and say, King, listen, we, we think you ought to set aside in a month, a good 30 days, and just make a rule over the kingdom that anyone, no one can pray to any other god or person but you. And if they do, they get thrown into the lion's den. 
Now, they get that plan, they get that plot in motion, again, with falsehood and flattery. With falsehood. Number one, they lied to the king and they say that all the rulers have decided this. Well, obviously, they didn't decide this, but Daniel's one of the rulers and he wasn't even consulted. You see, friends, the devil is a liar. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. John 8 and 44, the devil's a liar. So it shouldn't surprise us if his people lie also. Listen, deceptive speech isn't a new thing. Faith news is nothing new. The devil's crowd's been using that for a long time. They lied about Daniel. They lied about David. They lied about Peter. They lied about Paul. They lied about Jesus who never sinned, not once. And Jesus said, if they did it to me, chances are they're going to do it to you. So listen, if somebody's lied about you, I know it hurts. If someone's lied to you, and I know that's so painful. But friend, God has a better word. Don't let that word continue to frustrate you and embitter you and poison you. Instead, go back to the B-I-B-L-E and find a good word from God. Find a better a word from God. The devil is a liar and his people will lie. But we do not have to allow their lies and toxic tongues to disturb us and disquiet us and make us act like people that don't know God. Instead, we will wrap our loving arms around the word of the living God. We will believe his promises. We will stand on the rock of his salvation. We will put on the helmet of salvation. We will fill our mouths with the word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. We will believe his promise. We will stand on his word. Let every man and devil be a liar. Let God be true. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. Adversaries, adversaries, listen, you don't have to allow the lies of the enemy to uproot you and disturb you, to pillage your peace and to sour your spirit. Instead, you cast that burden on the Lord and you receive a good word from God. Falsehood and flattery. Flattery, wow. They flatter the king to get him to go along with their plan. You see, flattery, the motive behind flattery is to manipulate. So the words might sound nice and appeal to our human egos. But the motive behind the speaker is to manipulate. But the flattery worked. Think about a king. We want to make you God for a month. King says, sounds good to me. Let the games begin. It wasn't a hard sell appealing to the ego in the pride of man. Their wicked decree becomes a law. The law of the Medes and the Persians. A law that could not be canceled once it was sealed. Interesting. These things happen even to faithful and consistent believers. These things happen even to wonderful men like Daniel and Abraham and and David. And sometimes when we're unjustly talked about or unjustly accused or whatever the case might be, it hurts and it can wound us and frustrate us. And if we're honest, sometimes we say, Lord, why do I have to go through? Studying this, I'll never forget one time back in the late 60s, early 70s, Brother Schambach was in Chicago having some great meetings. I mean, hundreds and hundreds are coming out night after night, saved, healed, filled with the Spirit. But the building that they were renting happened to be in a part of town that was dominated by a certain denomination. 
They didn't, they didn't appreciate so many of their people getting saved. They certainly didn't appreciate minorities crossing over into their part of town. So he says, we came to the service one night, and there's about a hundred or so out there picketing. They're marching. They're marching. And they tore down the marquee. They're breaking the window, but they're marching. I said, well, just let them march. The exercise is good for them. We're having church. Went in and had church. But he said, inside. I said, Lord, why do I got to go through this? God, you're doing such good things here. Why do I have to be put through this? Went back a couple of days later. I get to the, to the place and the fire marshal's there, the fire chief. He said, preacher, you, you're going to have to um, stop the meeting tonight. But someone called in a bomb threat. He said, don't worry about that, chief. The bomb already went off. It's a Holy Ghost bomb. We're having a revival in there. He, he said, that's just someone trying to mess up the meeting. We went on and had church. Next night I went. There's hundreds, almost a thousand people on the outside. The lights are turned off. The, they're bolted. The front door has a padlock on it. And there's a big sign that says, by order of the mayor, old man Daly, not the last one, the old man. He had one of the city electricians come in and cut the power. He belonged to that denomination. And the big sign, not fit for a public assembly. There's about 25, 30 police. They have the lights on and Again, almost 800 or so people out there. And I'm reading this. He's, I'm reading the sign. Trying to get, and a little, little mama comes up. She said, oh, Brother Shambach, she said, I'm in so much pain. I'm hurting. I'm sick. I came for prayer tonight. I'm hurting desperately. What are we going to do? They're not going to let us have. He goes, don't worry about it, mama. In the name of Jesus, you foul devil, come off! He said, I barely got that out of my mouth. Five husky policemen picked me up, threw me in the paddy wagon. This is me, a man of God, thrown in the paddy wagon. <laughs> I'm feeling very, you know, you feel pretty bad, don't you? I mean, after all, well, why do I got a, a song? I said, hey, I got a permit. They said, not for the sidewalk. You just got a permit for the building. You go into prison, preach. Threw me in the paddy wagon. Next thing I know, I heard my song leader hit a tambourine, get him singing. Next thing I know, they threw him in. I felt better. <laughs> you know, I mean, mis misery loves company, amen. <laughs> So it's a little easier to go through it when someone's with you. Both of us, me and my song leader, they took us down. They fingerprinted. They did the whole number on us. And again, I'm wondering, God, why do I have to go through this? Set a court date a couple of days later. We went to the building, the government building where all the different courtrooms were. And my wife was with me. And back in those days, you could smoke anywhere. You know, back then, they smoked everywhere. And he says, walking in those courtrooms, there's like a haze of cigar and cigarette smoke mixed with a prayer meeting. There's so many of the saints of God heard about it. You could kind of, I'm wondering, what, what courtroom am I at? I just went for the sound. Oh, I said, it must be down this way. They all, the, all the saints are there. Found the courtroom. I watched some arm. We're walking down to go over where the judge is supposed to be. He's not there yet. And another little, another little mama. She comes and grabs me. Brother Shambach! I didn't know you were in town last week. I was in the hospital. But I saw your picture on the paper when they arrested you. She says, they were getting ready to operate on me. I signed myself out because I know if you'll just lay hands on me, God will heal me. And he's halfway down. Says, he says, Mother, don't you know that's how I got in jail? They arrested me for praying. She says, well, get arrested again. I'm hurting, brother. <laughs> in the courtroom. I said, oh. And all of a sudden it dawned on me. Lord, maybe you let me go through all of that. Because there is one of your precious ones that you wanted to touch with your power, that you wanted to free from her suffering. And I began to think that in that split second. Oh, I felt the anointing come. 
the power of God. In the middle of the aisle, I laid hand, power of God, hit her in the courtroom, out under the power. The saints in that place jumped up. The whole place started going. And at that time, the judge just walks in. He looks. He takes a look. He says, postpone for ten more days. Clear the court. Clear the court. He said, before this place gets any rowdier, we have to stay there ten days. Ten days. We decided just to get a bigger building, keep having church since we had to come back to court in ten more days. Ten days turned into four months. One of the best revivals our ministry ever had in all of its years. So many got saved and healed. We, had, we built a church in Chicago out of that. You see, sometimes we wonder why. And sometimes we say, Lord, why do I got to go through things? But the Bible says all things work together for good for them that love God. We know that God is working through those that love Him, through those that are really serving Him. That, that God, that God somehow, sometimes we don't understand it on this side of eternity, but God is working to do His good work in our lives and to bring glory to His name. And this is what's happening to Daniel. He's 80 years old. From the time he's a teenager, consistent. He didn't backslide every other week. Didn't have to have the prayer line calling him up just to pump him through to stay saved another day. He lived for God. I mean, different kings came and went. Daniel was steady. I mean, different empires came and went. Daniel was steady. And here he is after all this time. He's going to get thrown to the lions for what? For praying to God. For being faithful to seek the Lord and give honor and thanks to God. Oh, friends, sometimes we go through the fire and we want to wonder why. But we just need to take those times and give them to the Lord and say, Lord, all I know is on my end I've been faithful. Therefore, I'm just going to trust that you're going to work things together for good. Your grace will be sufficient to bring me through. You're with me even if I feel all alone. And I know in the end, God, you will be glorified and I will grow by your grace and by your hand. Daniel's been set up. Daniel's been put in a difficult place. But this long-time servant of God, he just continues on, keep on, keep it on. He prays, and he praises the living God, just like he always has. I like that. Regardless of what the earthly edicts have issued, Daniel says, I will not be. I will not be moved. I will seek my God. I will live for my God. I will stand firm and steadfast for my God and for my King. And you know, that's just what the enemies were banking on. That's the only thing they were sure of. They said, we can't find him skimming off the top. We can't find him making up receipts that he shouldn't make. Everything is spotless. But if we can just get somehow to the God he serves, and we can get in there, we know he won't budge. Lied about, betrayed, and set up. Now a lesser person facing the same injustice, the same temptation. Some people might have responded different. Some might have gotten angry with God for allowing something so undeserved and unexpected and unfair. Some might have tried to get even with those who wronged them or lied about them, justifying an unchristian response. Some might have just went backwards in their faith because they responded in the flesh with complaining and fear and anger instead of in faith. They, they, they looked to the, the horizontal at the people and at the circumstances and at the pain instead of the vertical God who's still ruling and reigning and the promises that are yes and amen. But when we choose faith, 
Why do we say this? Because we all go through the lion's den. We all go through things in life where someone lies about you, someone's jealous about you, someone tries to stick that knife in, and it hurts. And in the natural, every one of us are hurt. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a genius to know that. It hurts. But our response is of the utmost importance. And Daniel shows us just the faithful consistency, even when you're living right, but things are going wrong. Now, there's been times things gone wrong in my life, and I know I was partly to blame. Anybody? I'll raise up two hands for y'all. You saw me all not honest enough yet, but we'll get to that point. But then there have been a lot of times I didn't do anything wrong. I know I did. I was just serving God. And out of nowhere. You know? Unprovoked. So that happens in life, so it's important that we follow the Daniel pattern here. When we choose to respond in faith, we choose to stay in the Spirit towards men and stay trusting towards God. When we choose to respond in faith, faith allows God to take care of you and faith allows God to take care of them. How many know the Bible says the battle is the Lord's battle? And when we choose to be like Daniel and give it to the Lord and continue on in faithfulness to God... Faith allows God to work in your life, and faith allows God to deal with their lives. Let us never forget many. Go ahead and put it up, Psalm 34 and 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Just because you're righteous doesn't mean you're exempt from the trials and the afflictions of life. And they still hurt even though we're saved. They're still frustrating even though we're sanctified. But God wants you to know, I'll deliver you out of all of them. If it's a storm, I'll navigate you through. If it's a bad report from the doctor, I'll be your great physician and I'll walk with you every step of the way. If you're going through a mountain that it seems like you're too weak to climb, God says, I'll renew your strength. I'll put you on my shoulders and I'll carry you so you can walk on your own. Somebody, you might be going through something today. Don't give up. Don't backslide. Keep trusting the Lord and know that God will deliver him out of them all. Hallelujah. Out of them all. Out of them all. You're going to make it. God will bring you through. But choose to respond like Daniel. Life's like checkers. Chess might be complicated for some. Checkers. We'll keep it simple. That guy makes one move. We can't go any further until I make my move. The devil makes his move. Just lied about you. They said, you, you know, you could have it. Now they said, no, I'm going to make you pay for it. They said, we're going to give you that promotion. You, you, oh, man, what have you been praying for? Oh, I went out drinking with the boys who changed their mind. Oh, I'm going to go, one of my cronies is going to get the promotion. Now it's your turn. Now what you do will determine what God does. Oh, yeah, what you do. Sowing and reaping. What you do determines what God does. Very important. That's why when those times come, I've got to monitor my mouth. Very important, very important. Do I want the breakthrough? Or do I want God to say, I love you, still my kid, but for that response, you're going to go around that barn one more time until you learn to walk in the Spirit. I've got better things for you, and if you don't grow to that certain measure, I can't use you. So I've got to take you through that. Are you getting me? That's why the Bible says, uh, guard your heart. 
from it flows the issues. So when the trouble comes, I've got to guard my heart. I've got to monitor my mouth. I've got to put on the helmet of salvation and take those thoughts captive. Because my response will determine what happens next. See, a lot of times the devil came knocking on our door. Had we responded differently, there would have been a much different result. God would have turned it, but our response, our flesh, entangles things, mires things, and messes things. Hallelujah. Oh, my. The adversaries of Daniel. The adversaries of Daniel. Remember, Bill Kirk writes, every adversity, every adversity has within it a seed of greater benefit for those who respond to God the right way. Every adversity has within it a seed of a potential of greater benefit for those who respond to God the right way. Our adversaries will make life frustrating, sometimes painful, challenging. But God can even use them to perfect us to mature us, to promote us. Even the nagging types that just don't seem to ever go away, but they're always there chafing. Oh, where's the powder? You know, we're always there. Um, When that happens, when that happens, remember this, when that happens, remember that they're just a catfish in your tank. Tell your neighbor, they're just a catfish in your tank. What in the world is he preaching about? Catfish. Back in the 1800s, that Atlantic cod, nothing like that Atlantic cod, cold Atlantic cod up from the shores of New England. Well, out in San Francisco, they wanted some. 1800s didn't have all the refrigeration like today. So they tried to send some out packing it in that that ice they had. By the time it got there, it was pasty. It was pale. No good. They said, well, we'll put it in water. Let them swim their way out there. Keep them alive. They can kill them there. But they found out the next time, though they got there alive, something was lost in their flavor. They just didn't have... Finally, it dawned on them back in the East Coast. said, you know what? The natural enemy of the cod is the catfish. We're going to throw a couple of catfish in these tanks and see what happens. Oh, that time when they got out west, they were perfect. They were tasty. You see, all that time, that catfish there kept them alive, kept them alert, kept them energized, kept them exercising. You know, sometimes God's got to keep a catfish in our lives to keep us sharp and not slothful, to keep us praying and not wavering, to keep us growing. You know, sometimes the catfish shows me how much farther I still need to go. Can anybody give me an amen? Oh, my Lord. Sometimes the catfish shows me there's more flesh down there than I wish there was. And they make me get back to that cross and get back to that altar and Lord help me. There's areas I still haven't. I've had catfish in my life. I like to call them the sawpaper ministry, sandpaper ministry of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Everybody know what sandpaper is? Isn't that right? You, you get done with that nice and smooth. Amen? But it's rough. Smooth. And God will use the catfish of life. God will use others to make us smooth and oh, but the process isn't always lovely, is it? Oh, Lord. The adversaries of Daniel. Look at the third one. We're going to finish this up. Hallelujah. I'll run through this last point quick and we'll start again next time. 
What, a, what an example Daniel is to every one of us, folks. This great man. I want to finish like Daniel. Anybody? I mean, he's a, when he was 13, 14 years old, chapter 1. Remember the Bible says, and he purposed in his heart. He made up his mind not to defile himself. From a teenager, and here in his 80s, his mid-80s, they said, if you pray, you're going to the lion's den. He said, oh, I've been serving this God too long to backslide now. He's been too good to me. I served him. He had never failed me. I'm not copping out now. And he went back. Windows were open. A lot of us would have said, good time to go to the country for a sabbatical. Amen. 30 days sabbatical. Amen. We're going to go out there. Time for the men to have a retreat for about 30 days. Far away from the king. And we, we, you know, we'll pray. You know, we'll get in our closet, close all the doors, batten the hatches down. Not Daniel. He said, oh, no, this guy's been too good to me. I'm not going to embarrass things now. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. Hallelujah. The attributes of Daniel. Number one, Daniel had a consistent attitude. He had a consistent attitude from teenage years to the end of his life. He's here finishing strong in his mid-80s. He could could have written what Paul wrote, 2 Timothy 4 and 7, I fought the good fight and I finished the race and I've kept the faith. For Daniel was someone consistent, content, and confident in the Lord. A man of settled convictions. And friends, listen, a good attitude will take you a long way in this Christian life. Daniel knew without a doubt that the Lord was sovereign over all the appointments and the disappointments of life. And because Daniel was secure in God, Daniel was secure in himself. Secondly, I'll just run it through this quick. He was consistent in his performance. Daniel was excellent in service. Daniel saw his work as an act of worship. Daniel um, saw his work as a gift from God. And he carried out his duties with excellence and seriousness and reverence unto God. And there's a lot of verses. We don't have time to go through them all. But the Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. And to see your work as part of your worship unto God. And to see your work as part of your witness unto God. And certainly Daniel did. That's why Daniel was the go-to guy. He was the go because he carried out. He was good at what he did. Be good at what you do. Be good at what you do. Number three, he was consistent in his purity, and we've touched on that. Not one accusation. Multitude of decades of service, not one accusation. Now, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. He was pure. He was pure. Because Daniel knew one day he would um, stand accountable before his God. He was pure. And, and lastly, consistent in his prayer life. Consistent. That's what we're going to have to pick up next time. Consistent in his prayer life. Daniel was not a crisis prayer. Daniel was a conviction prayer. He prayed as he always prayed. And this is one of the most important keys to being a man or a woman after the Daniel pattern. Years and years of purity, of excellence, of consistent character, of faithful labors, and the source of all that, that hidden life with God, that private life with God, That was the source of lasting convictions and courage, enduring confidence and anointing. He was a busy man, but he was never too busy to pray. Throughout his life, he had high positions in the empire. He had a lot of work to do, never too busy to pray. Three days, three times a day, day after day. 
He prayed and he thanked God. He worshipped the God of heaven. He offered his life afresh to the God of heaven. He laid his needs and his burdens before the God of heaven day after day. So when trouble came, Daniel was always ready. When crisis came, Daniel could be the go-to guy. When the enemy attacked, Daniel was never lacking or unprepared. When there was a great need and no one knew what to do, Daniel was over. He was ready because he abided in the vine and he walked consistently with his God. Hallelujah. All right. Close this down. Daniel. Advancement, adversaries, and attributes. We're going to sing our final song, a prayer, final prayer. Maybe you need prayer today and God wants to touch you. There is power in the name of Jesus. And God will touch you and God will meet your need. Even in the midst of confusion, in the midst of frustration, if we're able to focus our eyes on Jesus and put our faith in the living God, He will honor such faith. He will answer such prayers. So this morning as we um, open the altar, if you need a touch from God, I'll encourage you to come. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's still willing and He's still able to heal the sick and set people free today. If you need a physical touch, an emotional touch, come and let God touch you. But secondly, maybe you're going through a lion den experience. God wants to encourage your heart today. He wants to encourage you. He wants to send His angel into your situation to defend you and to take care of you. So if you would, stand with me, please. And we're going to pray and then open the altar. If you need prayer, I want to invite you when we're done with this prayer to come down to the altar. Believe God, He'll touch you. There is power in the name of Jesus. If you're going through a lion's den experience, don't be afraid. At the end of the story, Daniel says, God has sent His angel. And I want you to know God still sends His angel to help His people. God still sends His angel to minister to the heirs of salvation. And you might be going through something, but if you'll respond by trusting God and walking in the Spirit towards men, God will send His angel and God will work in your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You that our promotion comes from You. Someone might be going through a hard time. Someone might be going through a challenging experience. But Father, we are not ruled by circumstances. We are ruled by our Heavenly Father. We are ruled by our Lord and our King in the name of Jesus. So Father, I want to thank You that our promotion comes from You. And You will work all things together for good for them that love You. Thank You, Father, that as we trust You, you will work sovereignly, perfectly. I want to thank you for the example of Daniel. Help us to follow the pattern that he has left us. To imitate that consistency and faithfulness of his life. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, let your power fall upon your people. Let your power fall upon those that are hungry and thirsty this morning. Let your power fall mightily upon those that need a healing touch over those that yearn for some refreshing and reviving in their soul. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your healing arm be extended and let your sovereign power flow as we pray and cry in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, 
Let's worship the Lord. If you need prayer, come and receive and let God touch you.